Welcome to Huntersville Lutheran Sermon Webcast. We invite you to join us here for worship every Sunday at 10 a.m. Find out more at huntersvillelc.com. Thank you for joining us today. So standing in line at the, at the airport this past week on my way up to Chicago, I, I, I was struck by this thought, and so I, I took a picture that, that I, I think captured what I was, what I was thinking. <sighs> Can you guess what I was thinking? Not how long the line was to get through security and, and the, being worried I, that I could uh, get to my gates. No, it, it wasn't even what this, this woman is indicative of when you're standing in the security line, that everybody's got their phones out and they just plaster their noses into it until they get up to the security desk. No, what struck me as I was, as I was standing there has a whole lot to do with the sermon today. The fact that every single person in that line, or almost every single person, was carrying around one of these. This little piece of plastic that we call a driver's license. This little piece of plastic is it's an incredibly important, uh, it's an incredibly important thing, isn't it? It's pretty amazing that uh, not only do you have to spend an entire day at the DMV to get one of these stinking pieces of plastic, but the fact that you also need at least four pieces of paper to, that have your date of birth, your address, your name, that basically tell who you are. But after you get it, this little piece of plastic, it, it tells your name, your address, your date of birth, your hair color, your eye color, your height. It even tells whether or not you wear glasses. This little piece of plastic is so connected to your identity. In fact, you could probably even call it your identity, right? Because it's with this, this is one of the forms of identification you can use to take out a mortgage on a house. It's one of the, the things that you can use to open up a bank account. It's one of the things that gets you past the airport security people, right? This is an incredibly important piece of paper, or piece of plastic, excuse me. But for all that this amazing little piece of plastic does, there is one thing that it cannot do. It cannot tell you who you are. I mean, really, it can't. Because this little piece of plastic tells you who I am. It tells you where I live, but it doesn't tell you what I do. It doesn't tell me whether you have kids or not. It doesn't tell you me whether you have a dog or not. It doesn't tell me what your hobbies are. It doesn't tell me where you work. Sure, this, this little piece of plastic, it might tell you, it might tell you what you are called but it doesn't tell you who you're called to be which is exactly what Matthew is or what Jesus is talking about in his sermon on the on the mount this morning as we kind of continue looking at this sanctified life this life that Jesus calls us to now in Jesus day the your identity was extremely closely tied with what you did and where you lived take Jesus for example Jesus was the son of Joseph the the carpenter from a town called Nazareth. You have John the baptizer. You have Simon, Andrew, James, and John, the first disciples that Jesus called. Do you know what they were? They were fishermen. And to those first disciples, Jesus comes to them and says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus takes their identity, what they once did, and changes it into something brand new, that they were going to be Simon, the fisher of men, James, the fisher of men. This is what these disciples were going to do. And that was early on in Jesus' ministry. Now, a year later, Jesus takes them, plus eight more, up a mountainside, and he begins to unveil to them what this new identity and life as a follower of Jesus is going to look like. And this is what we looked at last week, how Jesus needed to alter their perspective before he could ever explain to them what their life was going to actually look like. And so immediately after altering their perspective by telling them that what, what I call blessed, what my father calls blessed, the world is going to call a curse, he says, well, this is what your identity is going to look like. And this is the purpose of your new identity. 
He says to those 12 men sitting up on the mountainside, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. It's pretty easy, right? Jesus uses two extremely common but extremely important things to describe what life as a disciple is going to be like. And to understand what salt is, right, we already, we already talked about what it is. It's a preservative. You use it to season food. Uh, light is the, the thing that brings brightness to a room that helps you find your way throughout the dark. But, but what does it look like when Jesus calls you, calls his disciples to be salt and light? To these disciples, he says, you are salt. He says, you are people, men who have been seasoned by the word of God, who have been convicted of your sins by the law, who have been healed by the promises of the gospel that say, you are forgiven by the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. And now this is the calling that you have. Since you have been seasoned by the word of God, you are to go out and you are to be the salt of the earth. You are to take this message and you are to to season people's hearts with it, to show them their sin, to, to show them the beauty and the promises of the gospel. This is your new identity. This is who you're called to be, to be a a salt sprinkler. He also says to them, disciples, you are the light of the world. You are called to live in a world that is overtaken by darkness, that is lost in its condition of sin, in, lost in its condition of sin, and, and where you have people walking on a pathway that is dark and dreary and evil, and where they are destined for hell. But you are to be light. You are men through whom my light has shined in your hearts. And by virtue of what I have done for you, by having my light shine in your hearts, you are going to now be light for other people. And your light is going to shine brilliantly on them to show them me. To show them Jesus. (laughs) Could that be any more fitting? (laughs) That is awesome. That is awesome. Uh, And then Jesus says that this calling, hopefully that doesn't happen too often during the sermon. Jesus says that this calling It has a very explicit purpose. The fact that you are salt sprinklers and that you are light bearers, this is why you are that. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and they may praise your Father in heaven. This salt sprinkling and light bearing you are doing in the world, it's for one explicit purpose. So that as you are shining brilliantly on people, as you are seasoning them with the word of God, that they may come to to ask the question, why does this person live and act and breathe differently than I do? And then disciples, you'll be able to give the reason for the hope that you have. You'll be able to point them to your Savior. You'll be able to point them to your Father in heaven. And the Holy Spirit will use this to create faith in people's hearts. You are salt sprinklers and light bearers. This is who you are called to be. And that same calling that Jesus gave to those men on the side of the mountain two millennia ago, it's meant for every single person who is a follower of Jesus. It's meant for you and me. And I, I don't think that you and I have a hard time understanding, right, that we are called to be salt and light in this world. We've heard that over and over and over again. And if your pastor were to ask you, another pastor were to ask you, what are you? I bet you I would hear from some of you, yeah, I'm supposed to be salt and light. But I think the thing that we all struggle with, the, the thing that we have a hard time with is not what our calling is, but how to live out our calling. How exactly are we supposed to, to be who we're called to be? How are we supposed to live as salt and light in this world. Because if you're anything like me, you, you, you agonize over this kind of thing, right? I think through a lot, the, the situations that I'm placed in, the situations that I, I'm going to be in, in, in on any given day, and I, I try to ask myself, how is it that I can best live out my calling to best be salt and light for, for the people I'm coming into contact with? When I, when I lay down my head at the end of the night on my pillow, I think, did I do enough 
to live up to my calling as salt and light in this world. I agonize and I, I overthink and I, I think I make it a lot harder than it needs to be this whole living as salt and light in the world thing. You ever thought that? But I'm guessing some of you have. But I'm going to suggest this morning that, well, that maybe we stop overcomplicating it. Maybe we stop making this calling as salt and light harder than it needs to be. Think of it this way. This little piece of plastic, it, it tells me exactly who I am, tells me exactly where I live. It says I'm Douglas Van Syce, who lives on Heritage Green Drive in Cornelius, North Carolina. I don't have to try hard to be Douglas Van Syce, who lives in Cornelius, North Carolina, do I? Right? I don't think I've ever stopped to ask an existential question. What does it mean to be Doug Van Syce in 2019 in Cornelius, North Carolina? Right? No, that's kind of silly. Like, I don't, st- I don't sit there and do that. But what would be hard is to be Matt Seleski, who lives in, in Denver, North Carolina. What would be hard to be Randy Barnes, who lives in Cornelius, North Carolina. Not only would that be really creepy, but it would be, but it would be really hard because I am not Matt. I am not Randy. I am Doug Van Syce, who lives in Cornelius, North Carolina, because this is what this little piece of identification tells me. But I don't need this little piece of identification to show me this is who I am. It's the same thing with our calling as salt and light. It's a whole lot more simple and easy then then we make it out to be. It's not as complicated as we think it is. And I want to show you why this morning. I want to show you why. Remember last week as as Jesus was altering our perspective on the Christian life. All right, you can come on now again, lights. (laughs) I guess I don't get what I asked for. As Jesus was altering our perspective on the Christian life, do you remember the first statement that that he uttered? He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is what Jesus said. Remember that the poor in spirit are you, are you and me. We are the people who have our spiritual needs. We need our spiritual needs to be taken care of by someone who is completely outside of ourselves. We are poor in spirit when we are called by the gospel, where we, when we have faith created in our hearts and we are assured and are confident of the forgiveness of sins that is ours and eternal life. And to those people who are poor in spirit, to you and me, Jesus says, you are salt. He says, you are light. Did you catch how Jesus phrased that? He doesn't say that you, you might be salt and light. He doesn't say that you should be salt and light. He says, you are salt and light. This is a present tense reality for anybody who has been called by the gospel of Jesus Christ and been given faith that you are salt and you are light. This is the identity. This is the calling that is natural for every son and daughter of the most high God. Think about it. Salt doesn't have to think about or overcomplicate or try hard to be salt. It just is salt, right? This is what it was created to be. Light doesn't have to be try to be light. It doesn't have to think hard about being light any more than I have to think hard about being Doug Van Syce, who lives in Cornelius, North Carolina, right? Light is just created to be light. And it's the same thing for all of you. Salt and light is the thing that comes naturally to the heart called by the gospel and has been given faith. Salt and light is the thing that the Christian naturally does. It is what the Christian heart was created for. Do you want, do you want proof of this? Do you want proof of this truth? Look at how Paul talks about it in, in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, For we are God's handiwork, you and me, 
God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The idea behind the word handiwork up there, it's the, it's the picture of a potter molding clay into a beautiful piece of artistry. It's a, you know, a potter, he takes this, this shapeless, formless, wet piece of mud, and he pours his time and his energy and his effort into molding it and shaping it into something that is destined for meaning and for purpose. So when Paul calls you God's handiwork, he is saying that you are his, that you are handcrafted, that you are formed and you are molded by God for a specific purpose. And he even gives you what that purpose is, that you are created and you are destined for more than just this life on earth, that you are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, that you are created in Christ Jesus to be salt and to be light. And the best part of, part of this verse, the best part of all of this is the fact that God doesn't form you and mold you and shape you and create you for a purpose and then just kind of shoo you out the door and say, well, good luck figuring all that out. No. You see what he says at the end of, at the end of this verse up here? That God prepared these things in advance for you to do. Not only did God mold you and shape you and create you to be salt and light, but he has prepared everything that salt and light does, everything that you are going to do as salt and light in this world, he's prepared that for you from eternity. Do you want more proof of this truth? Hear what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You see how Paul phrases that? He doesn't say that you might abound. He doesn't say a salt and light that you probably should strive to abound. He says you will abound. This is a promise of, of reality, a promise of certainty that because you are handcrafted and molded to be this very thing that has meaning and purpose in this life, in this world, and in the next, that you are created to be salt and light, that you will abound in everything that you do as salt and light. I pray that you find the, the beauty and the comfort in this. As you set out to live as salt and light in this world, that God has, has molded you, he's created you, he's prepared you, and he sets you right where you need to be, to be salt and light. You see, this, this whole Christian living, it's not all that complicated. It's not all that complicated to be salt and light in this world. Not at all. Not at all. God promises that you will abound as, as salt and light in the world. But this isn't the promise that, that it will be easy. This isn't the promise either that you will do it perfectly, right? Because you all know that in your heart there lives a sinful man who doesn't always do what you want it to do. It doesn't always do what God wants it to do. This is the reality of living on this side of heaven, that you are at the same time a sinner and at the same time declared not guilty of every single one of your sins. And so when you fail to live as salt and light in this world, as you fail to, for the times that you fail to live as a Christian in this world, where do you run? Where do you turn to? You run to the one who called you to be salt and light. You run back to Jesus and there you will find forgiveness for all of your shortcomings. And when you run back to Jesus, you're not just going to find the one who called you. You're also going to find the one who equips you, who gives you the strength to carry on and carry out your callings as salt and light. You're going to find the one who promises you that you will abound in carrying out the works that salt and light does. You see, being salt and light in this world is not as complicated or as hard as we try to make it. 
But I suppose I, I still haven't answered the question, how? Right? How do you live as salt and light in this world? I think there's a tendency for us when we, when we think about this to, to say something like this. That I know I've been called to be salt and light. That God has called me to, to sprinkle salt, to season the world, to let my light shine. But I'm just ordinary, right? There's nothing really special about me. I've been called to be salt and light, but I'm just an ordinary neighbor, an ordinary student, an ordinary friend, an ordinary spouse, an ordinary employee. There's nothing that special about me. And I suppose from the from the respect or from the from an earthly perspective, you would be right, wouldn't you? Because you're just one of 7.8 billion people who are walking this earth. There's nothing that special about you and, and from that perspective. And I suppose you would also be uh, correct from the perspective of what you once were spiritually, that you were born dead in sin in this world and were destined to be on a path for hell, just like so many others. So I suppose in that respect too, right, you're not that special. But from the very moment that God called you by the gospel and created faith in your heart, from the very moment that Jesus called you to follow me, just like he did for all of those disciples who were on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he called you from the ordinary and the mundane to a life of extraordinary. And this is not because you deserved it. It's not because you, because you earned it in any way, shape, or form. You are called to follow Jesus and called to be salt and light by the extraordinary love of Jesus. And this extraordinary love calls you to live in an extraordinary way. You are extraordinary because your identity is completely wrapped up and clothed in Jesus Christ, the one who lived and died for you so that you will live and never die. You're, you are extraordinary because your identity was made to be the son and the daughter of the most high God, whose inheritance is a kingdom that never perishes and that will never fade. You are extraordinary because Jesus has called you to an extraordinary life, has given you extraordinary callings to be salt sprinklers, to be light bearers in this world. And because that is the calling that he has given you, he calls you to live extraordinarily, doesn't he? So do you want to know what this looks like? Do you want to know how to live as salt and light in this world? Look to the person sitting next to you. Go ahead, do it. It's not weird. Look to the person sitting next to you. Now look at the person sitting behind you. Look at the person sitting in front of you, even if that's just my ugly mug. Think of the, the neighbor who lives next to you. Think of the person who works in the cubicle next to you. Think about the friend that you're going to go out and get drinks and dinner with later this week. Right? Understand that God has placed you in a specific time, in a specific setting, in specific situations to live out your extraordinary callings as salt and light in this world. And he gives you extraordinary opportunities to do it. Right? If you're married... If you're married, God gives you, God wants you to be an extraordinary spouse and show, show light to your, to your husband or to your wife. God calls you to be a remarkable neighbor, to season them with the word of God in, when they need it the most. God calls you to be this, this, uh, this astounding friend who, who goes and shines light through the darkest moments of their life. God calls you to be an astounding employee who lives and works for this company. And all of this has a specific purpose. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds 
and praise your Father in heaven. God calls you to live in this extraordinary way, and not just live in this extraordinary way as salt and light, but equips you and prepares you and puts, these, puts you in these specific situations so that when people see you, when they see you seasoning the world with the salt of God's word, when they see you uh, letting your light shine, that they are forced to ask the question and wrestle with, why is it that they live and work and act and speak differently? And do you know what that leads to? It leads to God using you. It leads to God using you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Do you understand this, that as salt and light, God is saying, I'm going to use the words that you speak. I'm going to use the witness that you give. And I'm going to bless it. I'm going to bless it in my own way. I'm going to bless it in my own time. But but what what a marvelous blessing that is, that as salt and light, God is saying to each and every one of you, I am making you a part of building my kingdom for eternity. And you realize that as people who are salt and light, who are the mouthpieces of God in this world, you have a job, Peter says, that the angels want. This is something that the angels in heaven, who are singing praises to God for eternity, they want to be salt and light. They want to do the things that you are all called to do. I can't think of anything better in this life, any better gift that God has given me besides my faith in this life to be salt and light. And as you go out and you are salt and light in this world, recognize that God wears you as a mask and he works through you and he promises to bless you. This, this is your calling. This is your identity to be salt sprinklers, to be light bearers in a world that so desperately needs it. God grant you the strength and the ability and the resolve to be salt and light for this earth to be who God has called you to be. Amen.